God's trying to teach you something. And this is where character is built. It's not when you're happy and everything's going right. Character is built in the hard times. Welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge families to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. This is Graham Clark. And today we have a special guest, author Jessica Smart, who's a great family friend of ours and who's someone who's really thought deeply and written extensively about Christian parenting. Her two books are Memory Making Mom and Let Them Be Kids, which are both awesome resources, and we're going to get into both of those in this interview. So in this episode, Jessica discusses important ideas from both of her books, and she really hones in on the idea that kids need to experience real life And she reminds us that our Lord Jesus came to bring us abundant life. And it's just a huge blessing to have Jessica on the show today. All right, let's roll it. Well, today I am so pumped for you guys to hear from someone who has really thought deeply about so many of the things that we love here on the Strategic Families Podcast. Jessica Smart is with us. Jessica, great to have you on. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Well, just by way of introduction, so Jessica is... First of all, to us, a great family friend, but she's also an author. She's a blogger. She's a mom. um, She's a homeschool co-op director, and uh, she is a host of the Homeschool Solutions podcast. So it is really a privilege to have you on, Jessica. I know that so many of the things that we talk about here are things that you have not just thought about, but written about and encouraged other people in. So it is just a privilege. Jessica, can you just, by way of introduction, just tell us uh, who you are, what you do, and, you know, just about your family and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, well, my husband Todd and I met in college. We are living in North Carolina and yeah, wrote the books and homeschooling. And we just moved. One cool thing about us is that we just um, moved to a big old plot of land with some animals with my parents and then my two sisters. So on the plot of land is 10, there are 10 cousins and 20 chickens and two goats and three cats and dogs and, <laughs> and a lot of mud, so much mud. I, <laughs> so, um, between all of those things, I have no hobbies. Those are everything we said is the only thing I do. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love that the animals outnumber the people. I didn't know that. I love it. Well, we've got a lot of chickens, so I don't know if that really counts, but <laughs> That counts. No, I I love what you guys have there. I was talking to your dad a few months back and I said, Hawk, what is the secret sauce? How did you make this happen? How did you get your kids on one big piece of property? (laughs) And he he just, he pointed straight to your mom. That's what I was (laughs) going to say to her. So yeah. that is awesome. I mean, that is such a dream. That's, that's a dream that I it's, hope by God's grace, we can have someday. It is. It's definitely like messy. I mean, like literally and figuratively, like there's, you know, when there's a lot of people, you know, there's, we have all sorts of disagreements and between kids and parents and kids and parents. And, <laughs> you know, um, it's not idyllic, but it's, it's truly wonderful. It is a gift. Um, but I don't everybody want anybody to think there's not some definite conflict and, you know, all manner of 
human interaction happening. <laughs> yeah, well, I, in, in my book, that's called family, right? That's, yes, that's exactly. How, that's how it works. <laughs> yep. Well, man, talk about strategic families. That is just one of the most strategic decisions I think I've, I've ever heard about. So I, uh, I, need to get, I need to get your dad on here. He would be an awesome guest. That's uh, true. And, and your mom, both of them, maybe both of them at the same time. So I think um, she's well, allergic to podcasts, so she won't just come. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'll, I'll get your dad then. Well, so I, I want to jump into you know a, a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, which you explore in, in great detail in Memory Making Mom. You wrote this book specifically to moms, but you know obviously it's not just for moms. Uh, it's not only moms who can benefit from it. And so here we're trying to encourage family, so moms and dads, and of course, any kids that are listening. And I wanted to just dive into the topic that really just sort of encapsulate your, encapsulates your book about not just memories, but traditions. And just sort of a, a general question, when you think about traditions and memories that we want to make in our families, what, what are the main ideas that you're trying to communicate with the book when it comes to families making a big deal out of traditions and memories? Well, I mean, there's a lot of layers there, I think, because, you know, it's funny, like, I remember silly things about my childhood, like, we would play with our Christmas stockings all day long, and we would sit on the couch and watch these Christmas cartoons that my dad would sing to. And, you know, so those are like, really silly, I guess, traditions, but things that are oddly comforting to me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, one thing I learned as I kind of did a deep dive into memories is some of them are not always deep and serious and intentional that are so precious to you, like food. Okay. You know, my mom's chicken soup is like so many layers of meaning to me and Mm. comfort on a deep level. And so, you know, all those meals that she made and, you know, we have so many food traditions birthday things. And, you know, a lot of the things that we have the serious traditions and there's definitely a place to that. And I'll speak to that, but some of them aren't. And so I think there's a whole gamut of things that we're kind of just almost like throwing darts at the wall and we don't know which ones are always going to stick, but we're attentive and we're purposeful and we're going to try a lot of different things in a lot of different areas. And so the book kind of talks about you know, work and food and um, one-on-one time and holidays and relationships. And I mean, I can't even remember all this shit because it, there's so many different facets to us as human beings. And so I think the main thing I realized is, well, it started with our kids aren't going to be here forever, which seems mm-hmm. like, oh, everyone should know that. But when you're in the thick of the little years, it literally feels like you will always be like going Mm. to bed exhausted and your kids are going to be on the monitor and you're going to always have someone in diapers. Like it feels so long. And I think very quickly there's like a switch and you're like, Oh, wow, no, this actually is going to go super fast and we really need to be intentional. And so there was definitely a shift in our family where it was like, all right, we're going to get serious about this because life can just trickle on without any intentionality so easily and you're hopping from soccer game to grocery store to hurry up and get them in bed and then we have this thing and like unless you really like take a minute and try to plan a lot of the things won't happen but on the flip side like I said some of the things are lighter and happier and a little more 
you know, <laughs> you wouldn't think that they would matter. Like we do this slow clap at dinner when somebody makes something and it's like really good. Our family has this slow clap and like, as dumb as that is, my kids are going to totally remember that their whole life. <laughs> oh, um, I love that. I love that. Can I, can I confess something? I was listening to one of your other podcast interviews and I heard that and I laughed out loud. I thought that was so awesome. <laughs> and I, I came back and my wife made an awesome dinner tonight. And I slow clap for. Did you really? Yes, because I heard because I heard that on your podcast. I thought that was so good. The kids I love, that. love Do you that. mind if we steal your tradition? Oh, Is that okay? well, I've stolen quite a few of yours, so <laughs> <laughs> I think that I owe you. You know, there's just so there there's so many different areas that you can work in. I think it's just a matter of deciding. A, this is this matters. This is important. We're never going to do it right. I don't have to look at anyone else's family, but like praying mm. and asking God, like, what do you want for our family? And it might be surprising right. the ideas that he throws at you, you know, that don't right. be surprised if some of them are kind of crazy or silly. Right. You made so many awesome points there. I, one of the things that if I'm picking up what you're laying down correctly, you know, you said there are so many things that you could try. And I think in some sense, it's not even the particular tradition that matters, but just the fact that you have something that's your own. There you, you go. Know, it, like I've never, I've never heard of a slow clap after dinner. I love that. It's fantastic. And that's, that's like smart central, you know, S M A R T T. That's there you just go. Good thing. But yeah, I mean like that's you guys and that's something that you, that you hold dear and you can talk about and kind of laugh about. And, you know, other people might think is, you know, a little bit different, but like, that's okay because that's your family. I, I just, I love that. And you guys are showing your kids that family really matters and mm-hmm. we're, we're going to do this thing together. And even if it's a little bit silly, that's okay. We're doing it together and you're, we're going to have fun. And I also love what you said, Jessica, about how not, not every tradition has to be like drenched in deep meaning. It could just be fun. It could be silly. It could be, you know, uh, just a little bit different. Um, I, it's, I love that. And one of the things I, I just wanted to hone in on a piece and you didn't use this word, but I, I think I, I'd like to just drill into this point of, of how these traditions and memories that we make with our kids, all this intentionality can help our kids have a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, and, and I, th- I think this is the theme that we're going to hit a lot on the podcast because it's so important. And I, I wonder if you could just talk to that a little bit, like when it comes to, you know, establishing some of these, these traditions in your home, you know, regardless of the, you know, the depth of these traditions, but establishing them and how that gives your kids a sense of belonging. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. And in my second book, Let Them Be Kids, and there's totally an overlap of ideas, but I mentioned an interview that I did with a friend of mine, Cliff Wright, who is, had worked as a Metro director for Young Life, which Young Life is an organization that ministers to mainly kids that are not church going. And so he, I knew, saw the whole gamut of what was happening in high schools right now. And I was kind of curious because it's been about 10 years since I've been a teacher and kind of plugged into that whole world. But I thought, you know, I bet he has a lot of wisdom about like what parents need to know, you know? So we just kind of sat down and I said, what do you think parents don't know about what it's like to be a kid right now? And one of his main points, and a lot of the interview is in the book, Let Them Be Kids, but one of his main points is that 
high school is so much about belonging and there's all of these little tribes and they get their meaning from, from each other basically. And his point was that if you don't give them somewhere to belong, if you don't give them a sense of who they are and identity, they will go to their peers to find it. And I don't think any of us need an explanation of why that's a terrible idea, you know, but he kind of went into great depths of like how they do that in high school. And, you know, whether it's, you know, some of them are all like crafters or, you know, you got the band group or whatever, but like, it's, it's very deep in that if they are not getting a very strong sense of like, I am this and I belong here. I, I matter. And I'm like a part of this family. They will go and look for it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to find a healthy answer to that question today in 2021 at their public high school. And so that to me was like a huge moment of this family needs to have, you know, my, I need my kids to know, like my parents like me, they don't just love me. They like me. Like we like spending time to each, with each other and we do things together. And I've, this is in my book too, but my brother-in-law said he was <laughs> avoided a whole lot of trouble in high school because every Friday night they had pizza night and he knew that he had a place to go. He had something to do that was fun and he had a place to go. And so that kind of answered the question of like, where I, where do I belong? Who am I? And, you know, it's not a formula. Like I'm not saying do this equals great kids that are not going to rebel. Like there's no such thing as that, but I think there never has been a, there never ever has been a greater need for family, for kids. So well said. I, that is an amazing encouragement and challenge at the same time. I, I think you're totally right. And Cliff is totally right that kids one way or another, they will find belonging. They will look for it. It's that important. And, you know, and I've had my mother-in-law, uh, Lynn Ray, Katie's mom, on recently, and she was talking about belonging being one of the aspects in which God has designed us. He has designed us to belong and to be accepted. That, that idea is just so powerful. And I love what you're doing with your book and uh, so much of what you talk about and helping kids find that belonging within their home. And, you know, of course, it happens in many different ways. It's not just traditions and memories, but man, what a powerful way to, to communicate that to your kids, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking about my sister and brother-in-law, James and Karen Drescher, you know, they would go camping all the time as families. And it takes a lot of work to do that, you know, to get everything up and to go out in the mountains and to set up your tent and everything, but they did it. And like, their kids are going to grow up knowing that that was like an important thing in their family and that they, you know, it's just, it's one more thing that, that they did that most families didn't do. And so I think that gave them and, and still gives them a great sense of belonging. So I love that. Yeah, I love and that. I think you touched on something important there with the, how much work it is <laughs> because so many of these things are work and like not at every single minute are kids like appreciating, so to speak, mm-hmm. all of your work. And so I bet you some of those kids at certain points were not like super pumped about the camping, but, but I think parents need not be deterred by those. You know, I, it's a good thing to remember. Like it's not really an ancillary point because it's a hard, it's hard work to be a memory making mom and or dad. And, um, it shouldn't be a surprise that like, 
it's not just like this amazing euphoric experience every minute right. and your kids are so thrilled. Like, thank you, mom and dad. Like you guys have gone to so much work. Thank you. Like <laughs> that doesn't happen all the time. Yeah. Like every time I mean, talk about camping, we have an RV and every time we pack up, I'm like, it literally feels like we are packing the entire house. Like we drive <laughs> away and I'm like, why are we doing this? Like we are the biggest <laughs> in the world <laughs> that's so funny yeah i feel like that sometimes too i'm like did we oh i guess we maybe we should pack the sink i don't know is there running water yeah. out there? <laughs> but you're right no that's a good point it's not always going to be you know appreciated to the nth degree by our kids but that's okay because what we're showing them is when we make that effort and they might not might not realize it then but down the road i you know I, yes. I think we can all attest to the fact that as adults we look back and there are things that we realize oh wow my parents really did provide for me in a special way, even if I couldn't see it back then. So mm-hmm. um, I, I love what you said. Parents need not be deterred. That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. I love that. Well, I wanted to transition now to your other book, your, your more recent book, Let Them Be Kids. What a cool concept. And I, I know, uh, well, I'll let, you, I'll let you speak to it. When you say let them be kids, tell us what, what's the heart behind that? What, what is sort of the essence of what, what you're trying to help parents understand about letting them be kids? That's a good question because that is like this kind of cutesy phrase that's on t-shirts and stuff. And I remember my pastor's wife, as I was like in the middle of writing it saying, that's like a really interesting like title. Tell me what you mean by that. You know, cause I think (laughs) you can think like, it means, you know, I'm going to sit on my couch and be on my phone and the kids are going to go like disappear for seven hours of the day. Like, and what I, the irony is to let them be kids. And I fleshed this out in the first chapter to let them be kids is a lot of work for our part, like to let them be kids. And it's a lot of protecting, especially today. It's a lot of providing materials. It's a lot of sheltering sounds like a bad word, but it's like, you're kind of giving them a a safe place to develop and play with stuffed animals and, you know, do Legos until they're 10 and not feel like they need to wear sexy t-shirts when they're like eight years old. Like, you know, it's a, it's a hard job to kind of create this little healthy microcosm where a kid can just be a kid because unfortunately today, like that's not the average experience. So I kind of go through, you know, elements of being a kid, like adventure and innocence and boredom and creativity and just, you know, all of those things so consequential to just healthy development. And unfortunately today, that's not at all a given. So each of those topics you could talk about forever. And I don't know which ones, you know, you feel like are most helpful to the podcast, but the bottom line is like, it is a lot of work for parents to do those. Sometimes it's less works, but mostly it's, you have to really, you know, you're the gardener to make the the ground and everything. Keep the fertile. weeds out. Keep the weeds out that you could go on and on without analogy, but just yeah, to, exactly. so that they're developing in a healthy way. Yeah. When you say let them be kids, it's almost like you're almost like you're redefining what that means because someone could say that and mean something like, Oh, don't give them any responsibility. Let them be kids. But that's not what you mean. What you mean is let them develop the skills and, you know, experience the things that kids need to experience to grow up and be healthy, productive, 
well-rounded adults. Yeah, I have an essay that's why kids need to play with stuffed animals. And so, you know, because um, I mean, part of it is funny, but it's not really, you know, and I love like the other day, the kids were, uh, they have a snake making company. And so they cut pieces of paper in circles. And this has been going on for quite some time. The snake, if anyone's interested in snakes, we have a, a big stock of snakes. But, you know, I just love seeing them out there cutting with scissors and painting and doing the design. Like, that's what it should be like, right? Right. Well, I, I think that's going to lead into lead well into my next question, which I'm going to quote your book because I think this is just so, so good. And I want you to flesh it out a little bit for us. So this is on page 21. Your kids need to see the good life. They need to have lived it, breathed it, and tasted it. They need to climb the mountains, see the views, experience the sweaty foreheads and skinned up knees from a bona fide heart racing adventure. Wow. That makes me want to go out and like go on a hike right now and maybe like tackle a bear or something. Let's wake our kids up right now and go on a hike. (laughs) That's awesome. So, and and then you, you go on and that, that quote is a little extended. You go on and talk about phony entertainment, fake joy, and basically, you know, how, you know, all of the flashy entertainment and all the media stuff we have now, you would think, you know, these are the most entertained kids in the world and they, They love every aspect of it or whatever, but really, I mean, it's kind of flipped on its head because kids and you, you quote a study, kids are like more bored and dissatisfied than like any time in modern history. And like, how does that happen? So I wonder, could you just talk about when, when you talk about sweaty foreheads, skinned up knees, you know, going outside, playing in the mud, you know, running, chasing the chickens around and stuff. What is it about those kind of experiences that you think like, man, that's just really, really good for a kid. Like, why do kids need that? Right. Well, I mean, if we think you and I about the days when we've been on our phone too much, like, are those wonderful memories? Like, do we feel great about ourselves? <laughs> like we don't, you know, the, the most exciting times I've had are like these, you know, out of the box. Yeah. Like when you're really busy and engaged in something and really looking people in the eye and like kids are the same kind of thing that we are. And so you know, I talked about somebody that went, the kids went on a field trip overnight. They had to turn in their phones. And of course they're like twitching and don't know what to do. But by the third day, they're like, don't give us our phones back. We don't want our phones back, you know, because this they've lost just hanging out, you know? And so I think my thought there with what you were reading is like, we're all wired from God to crave really true life. Jesus said, I've come that they have life and have it to the full. And so like, we are, we are wired to crave that. And if we don't have it in the healthy way, then we look for it in unhealthy ways, whether it's you and me or our kids in seventh grade, like that's just how we are. And so our job as parents is not to be like, you know, the fun police of like, don't do this, don't do this. This is your bedtime. You know, you're grounded. If you like, that's not at all it. Like what we're supposed to do is hold their hands and say, look, like this is real fun. This is real life. Like we're serving people together. Doesn't that feel amazing? Like Mm -hmm. we just climbed that mountain. We just climbed, we actually literally climbed a mountain a month ago and there were kids at the top playing their phones, playing on their phones on the top of like literally on the top of the mountain. 
And I just wanted to be like, there's like hawks, like swirling next to you. Do you see their nest? You know, you're missing Mm. it. So I feel like that's like a huge part of parenting, especially in the middle age-ish part, you know, in the beginning, you're just like keeping them alive, trying to stay alive yourself, you know? And then when they start getting a little older, it's like this dance of like holding their hand and trying to show them like the really good and true and beautiful things in the world. There's so many ways you can do that. I mean, I know it sounds like all fun and flowery, but like as far as how to make the rubber hit the road, you know, I think parents can tap into like what excites them. Like I love the weather. And so my kids by default have really gotten excited about tornado watches, you know, and like, (laughs) you know, it it varies, but they always said as a teacher, like, if you're not excited about it, they're not going to be excited about it. And so I think there's something to that to, for you and your husband or wife to like get on the same page of like, what, what excites us? Like, what's our, what's our deal? What's our, what are we passionate about? And now like, let's take our kids with us. No, that's great. And I love your focus on, you know, that, that term real life, you know, it was interesting. I was talking with someone recently, they were talking about how in high school these days, and this was a revelation to me because I, you know, we don't have a high schooler, but they said in some ways, kids in high school see their real life as what's online because they can be more authentic there. They can be who they are. And then Mm -hmm. they see, you know, what you and I would consider to be real life, like actually interacting with people. They see that as kind of fake, you know, these social constructs or whatever. And I thought, man, how sad is that so much of a young person's life would be lived online. I mean, you know, I, the, the online world is not all evil or anything like that, but I think we can, we can acknowledge the fact that the extent to which we spend our lives in these sort of constructed worlds online, we're missing out. There's an opportunity cost there. We're not eye to eye. We're not climbing a mountain. We're not getting in the mud. So if the thing itself isn't necessarily harmful, it has harmful consequences because we miss out on all these things that you rightly refer to as real life. So such a good point. That, that's a great encouragement to us as parents. Give your kids, and I love that you capitalize that, that phrase, the good life, and just, you know, it, it could take us 18 years to kind of work out what that is, but mm-hmm. uh, we're really goal. Um, I wanted to talk about, so you get into on page 127, uh, you get into the benefit of failure and I just, I latched onto this and I, I mean, partly I latched onto it because you talked about our flag football team, the chiefs, oh, the chiefs, what a rough season. That was a rough season for those of you who don't know about the chiefs, which is pretty much everybody on this and listening to this podcast, we were, oh, and forever. Oh, in the world. Uh, we didn't win a single game. It was rough. I just, I love how you drew that out, Jessica, and just talked about how and you, you had this quote where you said, failure builds character and winning does not build character. Or it does not build as much character. Can you talk about that? What is, how important is it to allow our kids to fail sometimes? Yeah. I mean, my son right now has a broken foot and he's in a boot And he's been sitting inside kind of just grumpy looking at his cousins run around and play. And like, I hurt for him. Like I see that in my, in my flesh, I want to fix it. I want to, I want him to be happy. I want him to go have a good time. And I kind of, I felt the Lord kind of reminding me a couple of days ago, like this really like God can use this time of, you know, what's in his terms, a little bit of suffering, like, 
God's going to use this. Like he can, this is the ripe ground for character. And in a rare moment of parenting alertness, we did have that conversation of like, look, buddy, you can learn something here. You can have some, like God's trying to teach you something. And this is where character is, is built. It's not when you're happy and everything's going right. Like character is built in the hard times. And so as parents, like we have this reaction to like, we want to make everything great and let them get good grades and everything to be good and then to win. But like, you know, that's certainly not where I have lost. I've learned much more by my difficult times than my wins for sure. You know? And so the same thing is true for them of like letting them kind of experience discomfort and messing up and just being that safe. Like we want them to fail under our roof. We don't want them to turn to 18 and have their first, you know, dramatic sin incident. Like, Oh, I can't do things like that's, that's. And I talked to a lady who manages a ice cream shop and she hires a lot of kids and she's like, you wouldn't believe like, they don't know how to like cope with like failure. They don't know how to like cope if someone tells them they did something wrong. (laughs) <laughs> like right. they never had that experience. So, <laughs> and like you're saying, we have a great opportunity within our homes to help coach them through these moments and say, Hey, right. look, you failed. That's not evil. That's not wrong. That's just life. You failed. And it's, and you don't need to feel bad about it. Like, Hey, take an honest look, where can you improve and pick yourself back up? I mean, there's grit there, which I know is one of the concepts you talk about in your book, which is fantastic. But if we, you know, sort of, what do they call them? Lawnmower parents. If we or you know, pave the way and protect mm-hmm. our kids, we want to protect our kids from evil, but we don't need to protect them from failure mm-hmm. um, because there's so many lessons, like you said, that we can't learn outside of hardship and failure. <laughs> At least that's, that's what I've come to believe. So I, I love that you draw that point out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the chiefs, I mean, RIP, we, we didn't, we didn't win a game, but we had heart, right? Something like that. Something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, it was a good learning experience for everyone involved. Awesome. Well, last couple of questions here as we start to wrap up. So one of the things that we like to emphasize when we you know, talk to parents is this idea of, okay, so we want families to be solidified. We want marriages to be united under the Lordship of Christ. We have all these tips for how to have you know, a family that is more aligned and, and all these things. And I have this phrase I keep coming back to is that we don't just want happier families. We do want happier families. We do want more fulfilled families. We want, we want families that, you know, get along better and, and all that good stuff. But really, you know, if we think about like, why did God bring our family together? This is not a random assortment of people. These are people that he has brought together for a purpose And so I just wonder, I know I'm putting you a little bit on the spot because I didn't tell you I was going to ask this, but I just wonder if you could talk about like all these things that we've been talking about, like traditions and making memories and, you know, letting our kids be kids and experience all that kids need to experience. You know, the purpose of all of these things is ultimately to bring glory to God. And so we want our family as a family unit to bring glory to God in our service and in our worship. And so I know this is a big sort of loaded question, but how do you see all these things that are in your book, all these concepts that are in your book, how do you see that ultimately helping us as believers fulfill that calling to bring glory to him as families? Well, I mean, my mom always said that, okay, I'm not going to know. I'm going to tell you the motto that it's been in our home the last week 
this is our motto I made everybody repeat, is <laughs> if you can't be nice to everyone in your family, you can't play with anyone outside. And the point being like, this is God's design for the family, like right here, these people, this is his design for spreading the gospel and for showing love, like this is where it happens. And so I just think, you know, our first responsibility is there and it's not a trendy message right now when there's a million other things that we all could be doing that are maybe more, you know, lucrative or, you know, just look better. But, but our primary responsibility is to the people in our house and loving them well. And, you know, as a mom raising these kids is my primary job and doing it well. And it takes a lot of work and, you know, it's not always fun, but that's, my thank you to God. Like, this is my job. This is my calling. Totally. As Christian parents, we want our kids to not, not just know him, but proclaim him and honor him, you know, in their lives. And you guys are building such a strong foundation for your kids. And I love that you guys have that property. And so they, you can do it as an extended family, not just as your nuclear family. Both of those are amazing. So I just, I love the you know, just all of the encouragement that you've uh, given to us as parents and, and not just encouragement in your books. I know that you and Todd model this and you're such awesome people. We are privileged to know you. So thank you so much for your time and for all of your encouragement and your challenges. Well, thanks. It was fun being here. Jessica, thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. You and your family are such a blessing. Awesome challenge for us to help our kids experience real life. Again, you can check out Jessica's ministry at smartereachday.com. That's smarter with two T's. And go buy her books, Memory Making Mom, and Let Them Be Kids. And maybe this week, you and your family can take just one step to establish a new tradition. Maybe something serious, something silly. Whatever it is, it'll have the effect of unifying your family and giving your kids a sense of belonging. Wouldn't that be awesome? Let's do it. Check us out on strategicfamilies.com. We'd love to connect with you there and help you become the strategic family that God wants. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.